This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't, and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. Before we begin, I want to tell all the new listeners about News Laundry. We are a 100% ad-free platform and we need your support to stay afloat. So please do subscribe to us and pay to keep news free. For today, I'm your host, Nidhi Suresh, and we have with us Ayush Tiwari and Akansha Kumar joining us. Hi, Akansha. Hi, Ayush. Hi. Hello, Nidhi. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm good. Um, just trying to uh, figure out my uh, follow-up story regarding jobs in UP, hmm. uh, about which we are also going to talk later in the show. Uh, I'm also good as Akanksha and I'm reporting on a story uh, on the riots currently but I think we'll be talking about our report on the uh, group of ministers and the whole controversy around it. Yeah but before we do that um, I'm curious to see how you're feeling about going back to reporting on Delhi riots. You did that last year and uh, now you're back. Do you have any people you've been in touch with through the year? Are you feeling uh, how are you feeling? How are you feeling as a reporter? It's it's actually, uh, you know, always good to go back to things on which you have a grip. Mm. But this time when we just started uh, another round of reporting and the whole thing, we've actually tried, uh, spoken to different sources and got our information through a different, uh, you know, set of people than before. So I'm just discovering new things about reporting in itself because, you know, uh, in, in the way I thought it before, you know a person, you get information, you report. But now you have multiple people who have different ways of giving information. So it's it's a very multifaceted <laughs> series since right. it began. Right. And I know that last year when you were reporting on it also wasn't very easy for you emotionally. There were a lot of things you were exposed to, which I'm sure were hard to digest. And what is it like going back without that sort of extraordinary violence in your face, but uh, you still know that the whole year has not been easy for you or them in many ways? What's that been like? I mean, you, the more you do it, you you know, you learn to cope with it. So now that um, if I see anything or if I the other day, as we were just discussing yesterday, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in office that we had a very uh, this emotional meeting with one family who's uh, the I think the eldest child in their family is in jail, has been for almost a year now. Uh, but, you know, back uh, six months before, I would have fumbled, I would have looked at Basant, not knowing what to do. Yeah. But this time I realized that Basant, you know, has very firmly understood how to approach these things better than I have. Yeah. And therefore, you know, we just, uh, it's just doing more of the same thing I've realized is a key to, you know, not uh, doing something silly or not doing something that is, you know, you're clueless about in these situations. Right. And actually, this is something I want to ask both of you, Akansha and Ayush. Uh, do you think that doing some the same thing over and over again and sort of being exposed to this sort of violence and emotional meetings over and over again desensitizes you? Or do you think that it sort of equips you better and better each time to handle it with more empathy? Like, I'd, I'd like you both to go. So maybe, Akansha, what, what do you feel about that? Oh, I don't think, uh, you know, exposure over a period of time uh, desensitizes you. Um, in fact, I think in my experience, uh, it uh, equips you better to handle uh, the emotional sort of outburst, uh, no matter what story you are working on. And uh, also you go with a better approach, uh, just like Ayush mentioned, because I think when I had gone to uh, UP in 2019, December, I was quite overwhelmed uh, when I was uh, when I was interviewing 
uh, Muslim families in Kanpur who had lost somebody during uh, police firing in midst of anti-CA protests. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, over a period of time in the last year or so, also I've done a couple of other stories uh, involving uh, minorities, you know, uh, cases filed against them. And I think apart from, uh, you know, being a patient listener, I've also been able to figure out, uh, let's say, the legal nitty-gritty. So, like, as a freelancer, I filed a story on, you know, there's a, a pattern in which Delhi police had filed FIRs during Delhi riots. Yeah. So, I think uh, it, it helps you evolve uh, professionally over a period of time. What about you, Ayush? Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, spot on. Uh, I think the way you deal with it as a journalist, you just become better and better. I honestly don't know if I've become desensitized. You know, it's uh, it's something I've been thinking about for since these things happened last year. Mm-hmm. And I think I learned the answer to it much later when I look back with a better, you know, sense of retrospect. But I don't know if I'm desensitized. All I know is that, as Akansha said, I'm better, hand, I'm, I'm better equipped emotionally to get what I want uh, in a particular story without getting, you know, carried away and not uh, disregarding facts and getting swept by emotional outbursts that people so frequently have when you meet them. Right. I mean, personally, I think uh, it it does affect you, uh, Nidhi. Mm -hmm. And I think um, uh, both of us uh, did realize it when we were back from that, uh, you know, uh, considerable large stretch that, or uh, you know, we had spent in Hathras and Lakhimpur. Yeah. Um, especially because uh, it, we had also covered uh, crime against women. And like when I talk to some of my friends who are also journalists, and I ask them how do they deal with it, so they they suggest that you know you just need to switch yourself off. So that's how you, so the coping mechanism is that you continue to embed yourself deeper and deeper to bring out stories that matter and put those accounts in public domain and also find ways to switch yourself off uh, to be able to retain your uh, own sanity. Right, yeah. I mean, I think we're all figuring out, figuring it out as we go. And um, although, I mean, I personally feel like as in the journalism field, I feel we don't talk enough about ourselves in the, and not to be self-indulgent, but I don't think there's enough conversation about mental health. So maybe it's good that there's some conversation now among some journalists, right? Definitely, Yeah, yes. I mean, uh, I think we all have had those conversations with our peers and how, uh, you know, they 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 actually spend that leisure time away from work because uh, news itself uh, is is pretty hectic to sort of drive you crazy. So yeah, I mean that conversation is there at least. Mm. You were saying something, Ayush? No, I was just uh, you know uh, I think that will be the theme of this podcast. Agreeing with Akanksha. <laughs> <laughs> we you disagree on politics but i mean these are personal things and you know uh, doing work as reporters i think you know there's, I, I, there's very little to disagree right so on that uh, really connected note i am going to move to akansha stories and the stories we uh, have to discuss today i'll start with you akansha uh, so about two weeks ago, a hashtag started trending on Twitter, Modi Rozgar Do. This was a result of uh, a sense of feeling among the community that there was a rising unemployment, there was fraud exam processes and inefficient manners in which some of these exams for government posts were being held. 
Um, so thousands of students and many, uh, and eventually many opposition party members also took to Twitter, raising the issue of unemployment and economy through this hashtag. Um, now in Uttar Pradesh, the story is different on ground and on paper. Uh, like it is with a lot of issues in Uttar Pradesh. And in 2019, the Chief Minister Yogi Adityanath said that even though the impact of economic slowdown is happening in the country and the world, it doesn't have an effect in UP. And the UP government is going to give employment to 2 lakh people in the coming days. So Akansha, last week you uh, published a report on how there are over 100 students in UP who have cleared the 2019 exams for uh, the post of village development officer and a few others as well. But you sort of focused on these VDO uh, posts. Uh, and most of them are yet to get their appointment letters, even though they've cleared the exams. Now, since uh, we may have listeners who may not have read the story yet, and especially since it's not being covered extensively by the big media houses, I'll just begin with some very basic questions. Uh, firstly, Akansha, how did you get a lead into this story? Did you sort of find it on Twitter? Did you reach out to students on Twitter? Or uh, did somebody write to you personally about the story? So uh, basically, I think uh, the day uh, uh, hashtag Modi Rozgar Do was trending, I think it was 25th or 26th of February, mm-hmm. there was this general curiosity as to who are the students uh, who are leading this campaign online. And obviously, their, uh, I mean, uh, their issue was that mainstream media is not really uh, kind of highlighting this enough. So uh, I think uh, through some of the local activists uh, in Delhi, uh, who have been a part of uh, different uh, protests uh, regarding jobs, I tried getting in touch with uh, some of these people who were also part of the uh, this Twitter campaign. Basically, this hashtag Modi Rozgar, though, uh, was being led by SSC aspirants. Uh, and uh, like uh, Meghnath has done a very good explainer on that, which is basically an exam by the center. And there have been uh, some discrepancies, uh, which is why the students took to Twitter. But uh, in a state like UP, uh, when this uh, trend uh, was uh, on the top charts of uh, Twitter, they decided to, uh, you know, raise their issue as well. So like for the last few months, probably uh, these video aspirants, they were uh, posting tweets uh, with hashtag video 2018 bharti uh, do karke, but uh, no one was noticing them. And of course, there were a few instances when they also had gone to UP Triple SC office in Lucknow uh, and, you know, participated in a dharna there. And that also got very uh, limited attention, probably only at the local uh, channel level, but uh, wasn't highlighted enough or wasn't a big enough protest to be covered by newspapers. So I think it was only through a couple of uh, local activists who've been trying to uh, mobilize youth uh, and have been very vocal about the issue of unemployment that I was able to track these youngsters. So yeah, so that's that's how I kind of uh, was able to find the case studies uh, for this story. And uh, for our listeners, what is the process, uh, what is the selection process of VWO? So you were saying UP Triple uh, SC, which is the Uttar Pradesh Subordinate Services Selection Commission. How do all of these tie in together? What is the selection process of becoming a village development officer? So um, 
any competitive exam usually has uh, this you know two or three tier process where by vacancies are advertised uh, by the particular agency in this case it could be up triple sc for police vacancies it could be the up police recruitment uh, board uh, once the vacancies are advertised candidates are given a timeline to fill the form uh then uh, an exam date is announced they have to sit in the exam which is usually in multiple choice question format and they have to mark their answers in an omr sheet uh and then within few months time the results are declared and based on merit uh, the students are called for the next round which could be an interview or it could be a physical examination and then the final list is issued mm. after the final list is issued again the concerned authority has to give them joining letter with specifying the date and place where they have to uh, take charge formally uh, in case of video the vacancies were advertised in 2018 there were uh, 19 uh, 1953 vacancies which uh, were advertised by up triple sc mm. uh, the written exam also happened but then uh, there was some minister from uh, adityanath's cabinet only uh, wrote to him asking for an sit probe because every omr sheet is also accompanied by its carbon copy and he had showed that at a particular exam center in lucknow uh, there were discrepancies in the omr sheet and its carbon copy which ideally should not happen because whatever you have marked in the omr sheet should remain the same in the carbon copy uh, but while the carbon copy showed uh, zero responses the omr sheet had shown uh, a particular candidate as having responded to a couple of questions since the exam uh, kind of quoted controversy up triple sc itself approached uh, lucknow police and an fir was filed uh, some uh, uh, 135 uh, candidates were also named in that fir and an sit was set up to look into the matter Uh, meanwhile up triple sc went ahead uh, and said that we will go ahead for the formalities of 1553 candidates but again even for the remaining candidates the joining hasn't happened yet uh, and so this one particular candidate whom i spoke to uh, shekhar pratap uh, who has been preparing uh, for competitive exams in prayagraj for like the last few years they are quite frustrated yeah uh, so before we go to shekhar pratap i just wanted to uh, check one thing which was uh, so when i was reading your story you had written that in february last year the uh, commission had released Uh, a list of about thousand five hundred candidates who uh, could now fill the VDO positions, which is the Village Development Officer positions, and then they said a second list will be released. But the investigation began, and then they said that the list will only be the second list will only be released after the ongoing investigation. Now, as soon as I read this, uh, as a reader, I sort of wondered that if they had initiated an investigation, then why wasn't the first list also withdrawn, and why didn't they take back and say that everything will sort of be released after the investigation, or does the first list still stand valid? So, UP Triple SC uh, Chairman Ashutosh uh, Mohan Agnihotri uh, didn't really respond uh, to our queries on this matter. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, that uh, one of cabinet ministers uh, himself had uh, written to Chief Minister Adityanath, uh, and he had given uh, roll numbers specifically in two cases where there was discrepancy in the OMR sheet and its carbon copy. Uh, going by 
by the FIR which was filed at the Vibhuti Khan police station in Lucknow, uh, I'm guessing that the 135 candidates who have been named in the FIR, there must be some kind of discrepancy in their OMR sheet and its carbon copy as well. Uh, so again, uh, you know, it's not really uh, known yet what exactly has uh, the SIT uh, found in its uh, investigation because these students who are now protesting, they claim that they had filed an RTI. They know that the SIT report was submitted uh, in December itself, but recently when uh, leader of opposition Ajay Kumar Lalu asked the same question, what is happening in the case and what about the SIT report, uh, then uh, cabinet minister uh, Swami Prasad Maurya said that we are still waiting for the report. Uh, and even the last notification which came on behalf of UPSSC in June also says uh, that uh, you know they are delaying the uh, joining uh, process uh, because uh, they are also waiting uh, for the SIT to complete uh, its investigation. Right. And, and your story also looks at the fact that this is not uh, an issue faced only by aspirants um, who are applying for VDO positions, right? There are other there are sort of posts which have also gone through the same process where aspirants are still waiting to be selected or receive an appointment letter. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So yeah, there ha there are like uh, a couple of other uh, vacancies also, uh, such as uh, Yuba Kalyan Adhikari, uh, which was the first set of uh, vacancies uh, advertised uh, after Chief Minister Adityanath came to power. And uh, even there, uh, you know, they declared uh, 274 candidates successful in the final list, but uh, the joining uh, process is uh, hasn't happened yet. Uh, there is another uh, set of uh, vacancy, which is uh, which was a junior engineer for which uh, SC had put out an advertisement in November 2016. But for that, uh, you know, they have even announced the exam dates, uh, but uh, they haven't really gone ahead with the exam because uh, SC officials haven't uh, received any formal communication regarding implementation of the EWS quota, uh, which was cleared uh, by the Modi government at the center in 2019. So these are like, you know, first either it's the bureaucratic process or some or the other, uh, you know, quibble due to which the entire hiring process uh, comes to a halt. And these candidates uh, ha are, are at the receiving end uh, because of these, uh, you know, loopholes in the recruitment process. And some of the aspirants you uh, spoke to said that they've been tweeting about this for years now. Now, do they feel that uh, when the hashtag started trending, uh, do they see it as a reflection of a successful social media movement? Or uh, has this also sort of been disappointing for them? See, they, they are just, um, they're trying to use every platform to raise their voice. And uh, of course, in today's uh, time, uh, social media is a platform where if something is trending, uh, it does, uh, you know, it is covered and it it, it, it does, uh, it, it becomes a story itself. So, uh, like some of them have been tweeting since, you know, April and May uh, 2020. Uh, some of them also claim that whatever the daily limit is, they have tweeted 1000 times, 5000 times uh, from their own account, even tagging uh, UP cabinet ministers 
ministers and in one case uh, upendra tiwari uh, uh, you know minister of youth affairs in chief minister adityanath's cabinet he even assured and responded to one such tweet that uh, uh, you know we are looking into the matter but after that response uh, there was no official word so they are trying to mobilize support as of now be it in the form of protest outside uh, cm's residence in lucknow uh, be it uh, participating at a dharna outside up triple sc office or be it uh, trying to ride a particular ride on a particular trend on twitter just so that uh, you know uh, something happens and uh, there is some kind of official response and things move forward uh but they they haven't been successful because i don't think uh you know there has been any assurance uh from the chief minister on any of these uh vacancies uh till date right and so this is a lot of young people sort of waiting to start working in up and and meanwhile while they're waiting what uh what do, what are they doing how are they spending their time what are, what are they doing other other jobs are there other opportunities for them so uh nearly most of them they have uh completed their graduation their post graduation as well and uh, since um in uh in a state like up uh, i think there is always a fetish for government jobs mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of these candidates they often relocate uh, from their uh you know uh towns in eastern up uh, like mau uh, and jalon and jonpur to prayagraj which is actually a hub of coaching centers and they spend years preparing for competitive exam which includes ias ips and uh, a spate of these uh, you know government uh, jobs and like as one of them also uh, uh, you know it has been quoted in the story that uh, his father is a fruit wholesaler and all he gets is 5000 rupees per month so they he's uh, sharing a room uh, with a partner and you know it helps him reduce the burden of rent and and so he pays only 1250 and their days are spent only in studying they join a coaching center there are classes uh, they go to, they attend those classes prepare for a competitive exam continue to you know fill these forms appear in different exams and if you see the profile of them they have been preparing in prayagraj uh, for these exams for the last 5 to 6 years uh, because every year there there is only a very limited number of vacancies uh, you know which are advertised and there are lakhs of candidates who apply for those vacancies and those who are not able to uh, make it uh, in their first attempt it's very common you know uh, to talk to any of these youngsters in up who would tell you are ye to mera second attempt hai ye to mera third attempt hai abhi hum do bar aur taiyari karenge so taking a drop for consecutive years is also very common trend because there are not many job opportunities available uh, in the state right and uh, yeah ayush did you have anything you wanted to ask akansha no i don't but i have just just an observation i mean i watched a video of this uh, one uh, person in kota i think he was a teacher in some coaching institute who before this whole twitter storm he was giving an instruction you know and very professionally about how uh, you create a twitter trend and he said you know this is how you do it and that made me think that uh, you know it's just not the students but uh, it's almost like a this uh, grassroots level discontent where they are organizing these protests not only among themselves but through coaching institutes or their own uh, universities or colleges 
and couple that with the farmers protest suddenly it seems in the last one or two years that uh, you know the getting your voice heard on social media through these trends has become so central way of uh, giving voice to uh, whatever is that a group of people are going through or whatever outrage that anyone wants the government to hear because apparently that's now the only way you know some people respond to discontent it's not petitions or writing to your mp but causing twitter storms and i want to know from akanksha if she thinks that you know the whole protest and the people she spoke to if if that's really working in the sense that if they think the government has has responded to them in any in any way so i think uh, um this morning uh, people are talking about a tweet uh, which has been put out by adityanath's uh, office that and there it has like a video of a candidate uh, uh, turkesh who talks about uh, his uh, selection process as a lakepal and he said that well i made it to the final stage and it's it's a very transparent process and people were quick to point out that the last uh, uh, you know uh, set of openings for lakepal came way back in 2015 so people are now calling out uh, the bluff uh, of the state government so it does seem that probably uh, the twitter campaign ha- is having its impact in terms of people talking about it but again i don't think that you know uh, a chief minister like adityanath will admit uh, that you know uh, something is amiss or you know uh, they are trying to do something about it because in january this year adityanath had tweeted that they have given around 4 lakh jobs and a basti based journalist rajan choudhury he filed an rti uh, with the state personal department uh, asking for a break up of these 4 lakh jobs and as a response to his rti he was told that uh, there is no such data uh, so uh, i mean of course there there's some sort of conversation happening around unemployment but the state governments usually never you know kind of take responsibility uh, or you know uh, they respond uh, to such uh, sort of angst or anxiety of uh, students so in that sense i don't think it's it's having an impact but yes it has sort of initiated the conversation for sure right and okay. speaking of being seen and heard by the government and uh, i think we should come to ayush's story now so ayush in december 2020 as you've also said in your report hindustan times published a story which spoke about how the center had formed a committee of sorts which they call the group of ministers to work on sort of neutralizing the i guess negative media coverage that's happening on the country and thus a reflection on the government um or as they put it in their report uh, to fine tune government communication now aish you've quoted that this uh, group of ministers had also reached out to prominent persons from the media field to help plan identify strategies put their heads together with uh, with the government and improve effective communication of say about 10 big government narratives as well as uh, multiple other things that they touch upon in their report uh now this was first reported in hd and then hindu and earlier this month caravan did a fairly in depth piece uh, attributing a lot of these quotes to also media professional and journalists who were part of this meeting but we'll get we'll get to the details of how they were part of the meeting and what the meeting was and the, and the report sort of goes back to naming these journalists now we'll come to the caravan piece and the involvement of media professionals in this meeting and your own piece but ayush i'd like you to li- explain to our listeners who may not know what uh, the government uh, what the group of ministers meeting was uh, on what exactly this initiative is 
who were involved in it? What were the sort of discussions? What was the aim of such an initiative at all? Well, simply in their own words, they were trying to find better ways in which they could, you know, uh, manage the media. Of course, uh, you know, this government relies on the media and actually a segment within the media to pass on its message or its story to uh, the people at large. But at the time at which this uh, group of ministers were put together for apparently coming up with a communication strategy was also, you know, gives an idea about the context. These are things, of course, not said in this report, but it came at a time when the Galwan clashes had just happened. And, uh, you know, there's almost an unprecedented amount of outrage. I, I remember the defense minister was saying that there had been aggression. Uh, the MEA had said that there had been aggression at the border and the prime minister came and said there had been no aggression. So uh, it was pretty obvious that even if you remove, you know, a critical mass of the media, which is very pro-government, mm-hmm. in the BJP's own strategy of directly communicating to the people through whatever means, through addresses or PM monkey bath, even that was falling apart. And that was only one piece of the puzzle, you know, starting with the anti-CA protests, there has been a lot of negative media that this government has been getting. So in the middle of the pandemic, uh, you know, when the cases were actually soaring, and that was also one of the issues that the government was getting panned for, they got together. And in this report, they say that, you know, we, uh, we have to find a better way of setting the narrative, we need to find 10 narratives, which we can communicate to the people. And for this, we'll not only talk to your people who've been former journalists like Shopandas Gupta or Kanchan Gupta, who was also the press secretary to uh, in the Atal Bihari Vajpayee government, but also to journalists who are currently, you know, if you go by the names in, the, in that list, mostly political editors at various newspapers or channels. And of course, the ministers themselves had their own inputs to give about what we should do uh, to get our message across uh, way better. And it's not so much between the lines, but also explicitly said that there is a need to neutralize in uh, Mukhtar Abbas Nakwi, the minority affairs minister in his words, to neutralize negative opinion and to uh, use FDI, which is foreign direct investment, to somehow quell the noise that is coming from digital media, which is one of the you know uh, prominent uh, bastions of criticism that the government faces when it comes to reporting. Use FDI as in to put a cap on how much foreign yes, direct investment. Yes, 26%. And they say that if this is not anything to do with economics or economic planning, but simply that foreign ideological influence you know some indira gandhi like language uh, shouldn't come into the media right and uh, when so when caravan did a detailed piece on the story and it was published on march 4th now before i come to your story i want to know the story behind the story and i as a reporter you want to get things out in time right and then some stories are just timely and timing yeah. is everything and sometimes if something's already being reported on it makes no sense to do another report on the same issue yeah. But even though Caravan did an in-depth piece, the mm-hmm. next day, uh, we published a piece authored by you on the mm-hmm. group of ministers report as well, and also on the Caravan piece. Now, I'm curious to know uh, that when you read the Caravan piece, what is it that you felt that the piece lacked or the piece missed? Or what was the gap that you were sort of trying to uh, fill when you did your piece? Um, you know, I uh, I had known that since the 
it was first reported by HT in December and that uh, Hindustan Times report, I think, mentioned that there were, uh, you know, journalists that the government had reached out to. So I was interested to find out what these journalists had said, uh, which the Hindustan Times report did not do. So the Caravan report, you know, one of its great accomplishments was that it put out that part of the report in the public, that there were these journalists who were apparently speaking to the government, helping them shape their strategy. But uh, other things that I felt that the Caravan report lacked was a lot of, you know, the perspective from these people themselves. So if I quote, for example, Mr. Nitin Gokhale, who uh, apparently told, he's denied it now, but he the that report attributes him this quote saying that you should color code journalists you know that's one of the mm. probably the most scandalous parts of this report mm. now if you uh, quote a person like that uh, with that mm. views you know that that person will get bad press so you should speak to him get his perspective probably add his quote to the copy if he wants or does not want but you know but you should at least say that we spoke to him he declined to comment mm. if Gokhale is not going to speak at all but that did not uh, come through in the caravan report and the only journalist who spoke on record was Mr. Jain Ghosal, who was at the time of the GOM report, the political editor at India TV. Hmm. Uh, now he's, I think, uh, advising the TMC government in Bengal. Uh, so he, he, even he's passed, you know, he's not in journalism. So he, I think he could afford to speak on record. But uh, that's the only voice we hear. And that also says something about the people mentioned in the report than the caravan report itself. You know, why would you not come on record? to uh, some clarify uh, certain aspects or certain suggestions that have been attributed to you, which we can, of course, you know, delve into now or later. Yeah, that's what I was going to come at. Like, what did you find when you spoke to them? So unlike what Caravan did, you did reach out and call the people who were quoted in the GOM report. Hmm. Uh, what did you find? And it all, because the sense that I got was that it seemed like there was a meeting in which the people who were in the meeting didn't even know they were in the meeting. So what, what exactly did you get when you spoke to them? I think the uh, important thing uh, I realized was the context of this meeting, hmm. which was the, you know, the Sino-Indian border issues in Galwan and Ladakh. Uh, I think that was one of the things that I couldn't figure out uh, past one month thinking about this report. I hadn't stuck about this part that this report, uh, the group of ministers sat down to talk about this at a very crucial junction, uh, you know, at uh, when this border issue was taking place. So speaking to people who were named in this report and the political editors I spoke to you about were people like, you know, Nistula Hepar from The Hindu, uh, Ravish Tiwari from Indian Express. There is a Shishir Gupta, who is, I think, the national security editor at HT, which might, might explain why HT wouldn't want to talk about the journalist's name. There was uh, Mr. Jayant Ghosal, of course. There was also Mahua Chatterjee from Times of India. And uh, the four or five people, one person, I think Mr. Praful Ketkar, who's the, the organizer, the RSS mouthpiece, and a bunch of other people who I had never heard of before. And uh, when you spoke to people mentioned in the list, I realized that their claim was that I we were invited to uh, Mr. Kiran Rijiju's residence. to We were given an impression that it was a briefing on the Galwan clashes. And that's common. Like that... You, that does happen often that uh, ministers invite journalists home and sort of give them a brief about what happened. It's routine. I okay. mean, if, mm-hmm. if 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 these things are not happening, you start to worry to why they're not happening. Right. So the fact so that there's they, nothing fishy about that. Well, there's no, not so far. Hmm. Uh, I mean, as long as they were called there and uh, they said that they would be briefed by the MEA, which is Mr. S. Jayashankar. Right. But uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Jayashankar did not arrive. So what they had was simply, you know, they had tea 
and Mr. Nakhvi was also there. And these journalists told me that over tea, they spoke about how, you know, the media is covering the Galwan clashes. So the only discussion, according to them, that happens on the media is in the context of its coverage of the border issue. And then, you know, it was the peak of COVID. So a lot of these journalists were also pretty uh, not very keen to stay back and, you know, stay in this group of 15, 20 people. And then since Mr. Jayashankar did not arrive, they left. Now, that was one meeting. The other two meetings was Mr. Mr. Javadekar had with people like Kanchan Gupta, Shwapandas Gupta, Ashok Malik. And the third meeting was with Ms. Uh, Smriti Rani had with uh, your, uh, you know, Nupur Sharma from Up India, Bijit Majumdar, Anand Ranganathan. And in all these other two meetings, did the journalists know what they were in for or was it again on the pretext of nothing else? Well, I've been told uh, that Mr. Javadikar's meeting again was, you know, had the same quality that the meeting was actually about. This is one journalist in that uh, list I spoke to said that we were there to complain about the paucity of information coming out about the border clashes that, you know, we first there's a lockdown. So there are travel restrictions. Uske upar se, there is a lack of information that the government or the military is giving us about what's really happening at the border. How did that whole thing take place? So we were complaining to Mr. Javadekar about these things. There was no uh, sense that we got that this was a meeting about a GOM consulting us about how they should strategize their media communication. Hmm. And wh- why didn't Caravan reach out? Did, did, is that something you ever checked with Hartush? But why didn't they reach out to uh, the journalist mentioned in the report? Yeah, I actually spoke to Hartosh about it because Mr. Gokhale told me that the caravan report is a lie. So I called up Hartosh and his idea was simple. And you know, going back to the report, there are three meetings, as I said, with these three ministers, Rijiju and Nakvi together, then with Javadekar, a second meeting and a third with Mrs. Irani. Now, uh, in the Javadekar and Irani meeting, the quotes and suggestions have been clearly attributed to the people who've given them. So Ashok Malik said this, Kanchan Gupta said this, like that. But in the first meeting with Mr. Rijiju and Mr. Nakvi, the quotes and suggestions are collectively attributed to the group of 12 journalists. We don't know which, who gave what. So when I asked Hartosh, why didn't you say, you know, reach out to Mr. Gokhale? He said that under Gokhale, there was no confusion that this was given to, uh, the quote was attributed to him because it was under his name. But in the Rijiju meeting, in the journalists where Nistula and Ravish figure, there it was there was confusion about who had said what and it, you know those quotes were pretty controversial so if you remember the first one was that 75% of the media supports mr modi and the ideologically with the bjp there should be no interaction with foreign journalists yeah. so he said because there was a confusion about who had given what is why, why i spoke to people in that group and not to mr gokhale it's not a very satisfactory answer because even if you are given you know a very clearly attributed quote in that report to a specific person, it's still worth checking with them. Now, in your first group, people have said that there's something Milavat. So there's a good chance that other meetings where there's some Milavat happening. Hmm. So it's it's only fair that they also get an opportunity to respond, even if it's clearly attributed to them. And when you spoke to these journalists, did you sense uh, anger towards the GOM report? Did you sense anger towards the caravan report? What was the mood? You sensed um, anger towards the government. Uh, more than the caravan. I think the person who, who panned caravan did it on record, and that's Nitin Gokhale. But the rest of them were not very happy with, you know, with what they said the government was trying to pull off. And they really had no theory. I asked them, you know, why do you think the government dis- did this to you guys? And they said, you know, uh, we really don't, do not know why this has happened. 
or even if they did know they did not share it with me at least so their uh, uh, their annoyance was clearly directed at the government not the publication right and lastly i want to check with you uh, as a reporter you see your piece as a commentary on the gom report as uh, you reporting on the uh, group of ministers report or did you also do you also read your own piece as a commentary on how not to do journalism no i mean i actually uh, i was more amused by it you know because when the gom report uh, we got access to mm-hmm. uh, it was you know on first when you first get hand on something like that you feel oh my god what is this you know this is like radia tapes 2.0 <laughs> something like mm-hmm. that but of course when you start uh, reach reaching out to people then you get a better picture of what probably is going on but it's again it's a commentary also on the media that even though a lot of these journalists were annoyed by the fact that okay the government has been unfair and it has been you know some sort of maneuver and it's at it's like a subterfuge that has been uh, you know if you see a lot of these journalists were a lot of flack on twitter so of course their own integrity came into question but at, even then they were not willing to come on record and speak you know on uh, what was going on because i remember when i spoke to mr asthana who's the executive editor at times of india i said do you want to officially comment on this and he said no it's not worth you know uh, commenting on and i said you know it's not about worth being commented on you know your you might have an insider perspective of why it's not worth saying something on this but your readers will always imagine ki your journalist is named there so what is the position that the paper is taking so i think hartosh and others also tweeted this out that the fact that they were not willing to come on record was rather you know feeble way of defending themselves because if you've not done it then why do you need to stay anonymous you know just uh, remove that skirt of anonymity and come out in public and say that the government has gamed you right right akansha is there anything you want to ask ayush i mean i just want to um, you know uh, at uh, the media institute by ndtv i remember nitin gokhale uh, coming for like a lecture like one session uh, because he was still with ndtv this is one, this is like in 2012 and one of his like opening remarks uh, uh, was that uh, if you think that you can uh, you know bring a change through your uh, journalism then forget it that's not going to happen and like when i read his remarks uh, in you know in the context of this gom uh, and how he suggested that you know journalists should be color coded um i was not surprised because you know there are always a bunch of journalists who want to be like with the government they don't really question the establishment and uh, i mean i was i wasn't really surprised to see nitin gokhale's name kind of figure pop up in this but it you can just completely exclude it it was just like an observation uh before we adjourn our podcast i'd like to move on to our recommendation section and i'd also like to tell our listeners that we also uh, apart from this particular podcast we've been hosting other shows like let's talk about uh where we actually do a deep dive of certain topics that are uh, of interest and complicated and we sort of break them down we have guest speakers we debate and discuss on it um and we've had multiple conversations like these and some really new and exciting ones coming up uh, so do check out that podcast it's called let's talk about uh, and we also have a lot of other valuable content which you can find on our website uh, www.newslaundry.com um now ayush and akansha what are your recommendations for us this week uh, akansha why don't you go first so i think um, i would like to recommend uh, this two part uh, series on delhi riots uh, by the wire 
uh, it's called Delhi 2020, the real uh, conspiracy. Um, I watched the first uh, episode uh, where they have uh, done like a deep dive into uh, these uh, different leaders of, you know, uh, groups who are in some way or the other connected with VHP and Bajrang Dal and how they were uh, sort of taking to Facebook and trying to incite uh, violence since uh, December 2019. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was quite uh, chilling and quite intense. Uh, that would be my first recommendation. And my second recommendation would be a series uh, called The Pandemic Diaries uh, by The Quint, where they have profiled uh, women who share, uh, who share their experience of life after the lockdown. And one such account by a doctor who had to uh, sort of uh, isolate her own kids and later had to, uh, you know, relocate from Noida to a, a government hospital in Bareilly was quite heart-wrenching. So, yeah, that would be my uh, second recommendation. Ayush, what about you? Uh, I watched this uh, series on Netflix, really good, called uh, Spycraft, hmm. about how, uh, you know, spies work and the methods they use to, you know, uh, carry out espionage. And it was damn good, very, uh, quite a thriller. So that's my one. Second is, uh, this we were talking about yesterday, I read Tavleen Singh's book called Darbar, which is an account of her being a journalist in, um, you know, Andhra Gandhi and Rajiv Gandhi's time. And it's such a personal portrait uh, of, of course, her as a journalist, but also the people she was moving with, which is Sonia Gandhi or Rajiv Gandhi or, you know, Bindran Wale. Mm-hmm. So uh, the chapters on 1984 are especially so well written and so well, you know, pieced together from a journalistic point of view. So uh, I think uh, anyone who finds those events or, uh, you know, reporting of interest should read that book. Yeah. Okay, and uh, I have two recommendations as well. Uh, one is a book uh, which I recently read by Meena Kandaswamy called The Orders Were to Rape You, Tigresses in the Tamil Elam Struggle. Um, it's a very, very uh, touching book because it also, uh, what I really liked about it is that Meena Kandaswamy doesn't really uh, become uh, an absentee voice where she's sort of having a conversation from a very omnipresent level. She's very much in the book. She's uh, a Tamil herself and she grew up in Chennai and she sort of looks at why it was difficult for her to write about this, her own biases that came in the way about sort of looking at uh, tigresses in the Tamil Elam as uh, tigresses and as romanticizing them as a sort of warriors. But then later when she becomes a journalist, she starts documenting them in the form of a documentary film that she wants to make. But then halfway she gives up and she decides not to do it. Uh, and in this book, she revisits those tapes and sort of pieces together who she was uh, when the struggle started in Sri Lanka and who she met a few years later and how that sort of affected her, which I which I thought was a beautiful uh, way to write a book and also sort of put yourself out there to your readers, who you are. It's a very small book, easy read and very, very interesting to see how she put it together. Uh, the other recommendation that I have is actually, uh, I'm very excited about the Formula One series that I'm going, that's going to be released on Netflix, I think March 19th. Uh, this is their third season and I absolutely love the first two seasons. It's called Drive to Survive and there are two seasons. Uh, they sort of look at what is the build up to the race and who these people are who are racing and sort of the mental strength and the emotional toll it takes on you and it's very much about people who decide to be part of this very niche and privileged sport and very rich sport. And it's, it's very cool. And they're releasing their third season, I think, on March 19th. So I would definitely recommend watching the Formula One series on Netflix. 
So with that, uh, we've come towards the end of this podcast. And of course, we want to improve this podcast. Uh, now that we reporters have taken over this podcast, we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, there's a lot that uh, sometimes we, we, we don't uh, realize or see unless somebody points it out to us. So please write to us on contact at newslaundry.com. And listeners, if you listen to this podcast on apps like Spotify, Stitcher, Remember, we have a website, newslaundry.com. You can head over to the website and check out the other cool stuff that we do, like ground reportage, interview, satire. I'm sure you'll like it. And with that, this podcast is adjourned. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel